Hello and welcome to a Tuesday episode of the State of the Nova Nation. I'm Eugene Repay. He's Chris Danziel. And it is officially Kansas Jayhawks week. Chris, I'm excited. We got a few days ahead of us, so we're going to be able to break up the show a little bit. We're going to do our Kansas preview on Thursday. But right now, we're gonna, today, we're going to take some time to talk about the new polls. We're going to talk about the Delaware game. We're going to talk about some other things, too. But, Chris, let the excitement begin. Let the countdown begin. It is officially T-minus less than one week and counting. What are we at? Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Oh, man, we're just days away, Chris. We're just days away. Slowly but surely approaching, Eugene. This is the one we've all circled on our calendar way back when. Heck, we probably were circling it on our calendar, even though we didn't really know the exact date when this home-and-home series was announced. And ever since last year, kind of want to get right back at them. You know, it was a real close game at at the Fog and ask a certain bunch of people, and they might even say that Villanova deserved to win that game. So it'd be nice to get them at our own place and uh, see what we can do. And as we will talk about a little bit, the number one, Kansas Jayhawks, which just adds a little bit more excitement to this big-time game Saturday. Yes, it definitely adds to the excitement. As we talked about last time with Chris Lane, the last time the Jayhawks came to town, it was not a memorable trip for them between just getting obliterated at the then Wachovia Center to having to go home in a giant snowstorm blizzard. It was just a rough day on all accounts for anyone repping Kansas or the Jayhawks. But if you were a Villanova fan, Nova Nation fan, oh my God, you were you were all about it. You were all about it. We're gonna be hoping for a repeat this week, but we're gonna have to, we're gonna talk about that more on Thursday. Right now, as you mentioned, let's talk about the polls. We do have a new number one in town, which is definitely gonna add some fuel to the fire as Kansas now takes the top spot. Right now, it just seems like the number one spot has just been kind of like a game of hot potato. No one can really <laughs> hold on to it, and no one really wants it. Yeah, it's a, just a giant rotating door. I'd say just the top five in general. I mean, there are a lot of movers movers and shakers up there. you got Kansas up to one. Gonzaga's up four. Louisville's dropped three. Duke's back up into the top five and number four. And our friends at Ohio State dropped a couple to number five. So, yeah, and then Kentucky's right on the edge there. Maryland dropped out of the top five. It's just It's just a mess up there. But a good mess, I would say. A hot mess, I guess. Yeah, Kansas at one is uh, is awesome. I, I got to say, because like I said, it, it adds the ex- excitement of the game. It's just the number one right in front of Kansas, and it just adds just so much more, I would feel. Oh, yeah, and you already know that this Saturday is going to be popping. I saw on StubHub around the same time I was looking, some tickets for my parents. I saw that there were also, at that current moment, according to StubHub, there were over a 1,000 people also looking at tickets, and it was like midnight at that time. So I was a little surprised. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, hey, look, good thing this is at Wells Fargo, obviously. And not that it wouldn't have been, but that it being at Wells Fargo, more opportunity to, to get in. And that's all you can ask for. Yes, and, and I would like to know how many people bought that, if they were like myself, bought that just before the Delaware game, which was maybe a little too close for comfort. But before we fully dive into that, I just want to look at the rest of this top 25 poll. No more Seton Hall. No more UNC. Thank God. Butler is the only Big East, the only other Big East team, I should say, that's still in the top 25 besides Nova. And there's just one above the Cats. Yeah, in the AP poll, they're coming in at 17 with Nova at 18. But if you look on the coaches poll, Villanova's at 14, Butler's at 16. So depending on which ones you guys utilize, 
we use utilize the AP poll, but yeah, both teams are neck and neck right there. Also, Seton Hall, they should just be banned from the top twenty five for the rest of the year. You lost to Rutgers. <laughs> you're done like i don't even care like just don't allow him back in it's like it's worse than losing to the ball it's significantly worse and this is a fan base that all they did was talk crap all off season about ruckers like they would talk about crap about ruckers and nova and all that stuff but they were they were really high on ruckers like just they just love bashing them for whatever reason i don't know why it's a new jersey thing and i don't get it now i'm from this state i don't understand it it's just like, why are you making fun of them? Like, they're not even in the same conference. Like, they shouldn't even concern you. And then you go to their place and you get absolutely throttled. So, you shouldn't be allowed back in the top 25. Yeah, exactly. It's it's Rutgers. Everybody knows that's kind of been a sorry state of athletics since pretty much 2011, 2012. I, I'd venture to even go back even further than that, Eugene. 2006 with Ray Rice and Mike Teal at quarterback and – since that football team, but if you want to go in basketball, yeah, I guess ever since they beat Villanova and won, yeah, it's a sad state of affairs over there in Piscataway. Yeah, and I also think the last time Seton Hall had a very promising season with the core four with Delgado, Rodriguez, Carrington, and a sophomore Miles Powell. I think they also took a loss to Rutgers that year too. So I think it's just kind of like a recurring theme here. I guess so. Also funny to point out, DePaul has more – Votes than Seton Hall. Never thought I'd see the day, but here we are. Yes, you are right about that. You are right about that. Paul with yeah. six, Seton Hall with three. Yeah, and Xavier also fell out. RP to the blue blob. That's my yeah. homie right there. <laughs> Everybody knows that. I know you kind of hinted at it but and kind of glossed over it, but UNC falling out for the first time since I forgot. Oh, I read it before, earlier today. I think it was like 2014. I, I, don't, I don't remember when they were last in, but they've been in, they've been in the top 25 for a while. And they're completely out. On the AP poll, they're in the coaches' poll, number twenty-three. Yeah, you know the coaches could they they couldn't leave Roy off. They they thought that was probably <laughs> too ridiculous. But the AP poll, they know it was just a rough stretch right now for those Tar Heels between getting smacked around by Ohio State, losing to Virginia in a conference matchup, and then getting beaten by Wofford, which everyone knows is unacceptable unless if it's March Madness. To which then that that would be a huge. Huge, huge, huge celebration for all the bracket betters and people out there who just love a good upset. But in the middle of December, can't be losing Wofford. Can't be losing Wofford like that. No, no. I remember they lost to Wofford a couple of years ago, and that was like the final straw of like that season. Even though it was like early on, like that was when you knew like UNC just wasn't going to be good that year. But uh, it's trending that way. And now they got, they got the injury with Cole Anthony. He has a knee injury, and he's out indefinitely. So. It's kind of crazy what's going on over there. But I'm sure they'll voodoo magic their way into, like, the top three of the ACC by year's end. Oh, yeah, it'll be like Kansas. You know, Kansas loses yeah. ten times in the regular season. Oh, uh, two, two seed, <laughs> two seed. <laughs> they lose three times in a week. They get bumped up three spots in the poll. Andrew Wiggins looks like he doesn't care for the first two-thirds of the year. Oh, he'll turn it on. He'll turn it on. Next LeBron, next LeBron. Yeah, so we're going to leave them on the two line just for that. To showcase their talent. Any last impressions of this AP poll? Uh, no. Well, Penn State's in. That's a weird sight to see. <laughs> yeah, Penn State basketball getting some love. <laughs> That's pretty crazy. Uh, nothing else. I mean, if you want to just just a weird observation, Dayton's number thirteen. I didn't even realize they climbed that high. They kind of snuck in there. So props to them. I always liked them. I always wanted them in the Big East. 
Yeah, the Flyers. Yeah, would love them in the Big East. Don't think it's ever going to happen, but eh, cool to see. They have shout-outs to Obi Toppin of the Dayton Flyers. He's uh, killing it right now, representing 914 Westchester from Austin, New York. Right up the river, right up the river. Did he play Dobbs? Did he play Dobbs or no? I think he did in a summer league game and uh, smacked him around. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, good to know you're familiar with him, at least. Yeah. All right, so we had a game this past Saturday, the Never Forget mm-hmm. Tribute Classic, which, as we talked about last time, it was a fun time. The last time Villanova was in the Never Forget Tribute Classic was a couple years ago, Josh Hart's senior year, one of his probably the iconic performance that put him firmly in National Player of the Year contention conversation. He just absolutely lit it up, dropping 37 on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish in a battle of two top 25 teams. This time around, it was a little different. It was a little lopsided. You had Villanova coming in, still ranked, still looking pretty. And then they're going up against Delaware, which on paper, going into the season and all that, wasn't really that much exciting. Going into the game, we glossed over it on last Thursday preview. Before you know it, the game time rolls around. Nova gets hot early from three-point land. They're leading 22-10, to 12-point lead. You think, oh, yeah, they're going to pull away, and they're just going to smoke them. This is going to be a nice little tune-up game. And then we got Kansas next week. It's going to be all hunky-dory. Then all of a sudden, oh, Nate Darling, who, who's this guy? Oh, you, you can make it three. Oh, that's fine. You know, they, they get a couple of those. Next thing you know, he gets an and one, breaks down whoever his defender is. And then all of a sudden, it's a one-point game, two-point game. Single digits the rest of the second half. And Nova is able to hang on and fend off those fighting Blue Hens 78 to 70, giving the Blue Hens their first loss of the season. Chris, this was uh, not what we expected by any means. Glad no. they came out with a win, but wow. <laughs> yeah. This could this have was- been real bad. This could have been one of those, one of those speed bump moments. <laughs> Oof. You were going to approach that territory really soon if just one bad defensive possession more and it would have been right down that alley. Yeah, this was a stupid game. I really don't know what to make of it. You look at Delaware's stat line, 27-47 from the field. That's over 50%. Not good on Villanova's side of the ball. 9-17 of 17 from deep. That's not good either. 7-16 from the free throw line. So that definitely contributed to Delaware's demise. But that's a negative thing on Villanova's end. But some positives. Delaware had only one offensive rebound, which I know has always kind of been a bugaboo for Villanova. So I was pretty impressed with the fact that Villanova's rebounding was top-notch this game. And they also forced 15 turnovers. Granted, they committed 13 of their own, but forced 15. So I'm really proud of the defensive effort on that. So it's a very hot and cold defense right now. More so cold, (laughs) I'd say, especially since the shots matter just a little bit more. But yeah, they, they just let them hang around again. And this is exactly what me and Chris Lane were complaining about on Thursday. We're, we're letting teams hang around way too much. And yeah, they won the second half, 41 to 38, but for all intents and purposes, it felt like they, they lost it. I felt like just, you just can't put, you couldn't put these guys away. And look, I know I, it's a tired act. I know I complain a lot, uh, especially after wins, but like you got to start putting teams like this away. You can't let them hang around. You can't because it's going to come back and bite you at one point. And against a better team, if you let a team like – just any team hang around in a game you're supposed to win, they're going to come back and, and win. 
So I, I just don't know what to make of it. Offensively, I don't know what you thought. I thought it was a pretty solid performance from everyone. I didn't really think outside of like Collins shooting, but like he was, he was all right. Uh, Justin Moore, I thought played nice off the bench again. So yeah, I, I don't know. It was just a stupid game. You just let them hang around way too much. And I know you, you texted me this after the game ended and you put it in your recap that Villanova led for over 38 minutes. And if you told me that going into the game, I would have said, oh, yeah, Villanova was going to win by like 20, 25. And they only ended up winning by eight. If I didn't see a single second of a game and you told me Villanova was leading for over 30 and a half minutes of the full 40 minutes of a game and they had five different players in double figures, I would have guessed 20 point blowout, 25, 30. Maybe we're getting the walk ons in. But no, instead we had a real close game, and this is the second game in a row that we saw one of the opposing players get hot and lead a second-half comeback effort. Fortunately, again, Villanova was able to hold him off. A little concerning. It was good, like you said, defensively, that they were able to force turnovers, score, limit their offensive rebounds, limit their second-chance opportunities. They didn't have any second-chance points, for that matter. And that's obviously very encouraging. Then you look at Delaware shooting. Over 50% as a team, over 50% from deep. Yeah, most of it came from one guy. That's a little that's a little alarming. And then on Villanova's end, they did go a little bit cold, especially from deep in the second half. And it was one of those, Chris, like, yeah, you want to see him put him away in the second half, but it just never happened. On the bright side, Villanova did win. They had Jermaine Sam was leading the way with 18 points and five rebounds despite a cold one-of-seven shooting performance from deep. Justin Moore came in with 16 points off the bench, another nice scoring punch in our reserves. Sadiq Bay added 13 points. Coles Water with 12 on four-of-six shooting with six boards. Jeremiah Robinson Earl cashing in with 10 points and eight boards on four-of-six shooting. Not that many minutes from some other guys like Brian Antoine and Demir Kazi Roundtree combining for just seven minutes. So most of your bench was carried by Justin Moore, who played 32 minutes, and then Brandon Slater with 10. I'm hoping that this is just the matter of a young team getting caught looking ahead a little bit to Kansas because we cannot afford a performance like this. We cannot no. afford a performance like this against the Jayhawk. A much better team. It is one thing when it's St. Joe's and it's Ryan Daly, and it's another thing when it's Delaware and it's Nate Darling, but you cannot let a dangerous, formidable, well-established team like Kansas do this. I am a little concerned about defense. Just it seemed like at times they're losing guys on the back door. Guys were just getting broken down. If they're not jumping passing lanes and forcing turnovers and they actually got to play actual defense, might have an issue. But I don't know what to make of this. You know, I'm just really hoping that they were just caught looking ahead a little bit because this is uh, another kind of alarming defensive performance, and we haven't seen this defense get really tested by too many formidable teams. So far, it's really been Baylor, uh, Mississippi State, Ohio State, and now we're about to add Kansas into the mix, and that's probably going to be the toughest out of all of them so far that we've seen this season. It definitely is. And with your point to the defense, I mean, I guess you could say, yeah, they're looking ahead, but like. I'm hoping that's it. I'm hoping that's but like, it. I don't know. I, I know. And the thing is, though, my point is going to be that at, at this point, I feel like it is what it is. 
I, I don't like obviously there's still a lot of ball game left, so a lot of season left, and it definitely can improve, and it definitely should improve. But at, at this stretch, do you really see that much of an improvement into next week? I I don't. I really don't. It, it, they're gonna have to like make a big time stride on the defensive end in practice or whatever they're going to do to really clamp down and, and beat Kansas. Because if, like you said, if, it repli- if, this, if this defense replicates anything like it did against St. Joe's in the second half or Delaware through the entire game, it's gameover.com from the get-go. So I, I just don't know what to expect. But they're going to need to take a big, big step forward on the defensive side of the ball if they're going to win on Saturday. Yeah, yeah, and I, I don't want to go into the Kansas game too much just yet because, you know, I do want to talk about that a lot more on Thursday right before the game. Uh, yeah, But, yeah, just, you know, offensively, I, I don't think the team is that bad. Yeah, when they slow it down and they go cold, then we have an issue. But the main, main concern has always been the defense so far and just getting those younger guys up to speed or getting all these new guys that haven't really – there wasn't the continuity of – all right, we had Ron Archidiakadil, Daniel Lachefu next year. We know that these are the guys, and they had great experience. Then we go on to the year after that. These guys had great experience playing under Josh Hart, Jenkins, Reynolds, or you know even Arch and Chef. So then the continuity is just going on here. We literally have over half this team is playing big minutes for the first time. Or we had some, you know, a guy like Demir Cosby-Rountree whose minutes got reduced. So if you really want to look at it, we have three guys that are still averaging over 20 minutes from last season. This, there's a whole, it's a whole new rotation. It's a whole new lineup. And that's one of the hardest things to just kind of remember, especially when you're so used to just dominating. And I think that this team, you know, the ceiling's definitely still there. I just don't know. You're right. I don't know how much can change in a week. But I'm hoping it's just that they got caught looking ahead. I don't know, man. It's, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, a veteran-savvy team wouldn't really do that. But when you have the young guys, anything can happen. You don't know what they're thinking about. They could be thinking about, like, their post-game meal. They could be thinking about what they're going to do on Saturday night. Like, like uh, I mean, I don't think it's that bad, but you know what I'm right. saying. Well, Eugene, they are student-athletes. They could have been thinking about finals, too, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Also true. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, if, if finals were the detriment to the defense against Delaware, uh, there there might be some bigger problems. But <laughs> hey, I'm gonna take one from uh, John Calipari's book. Oh, I can't wait for the finals to be over so that school can get out of the way and we can just focus on basketball. <laughs> can you imagine Jay Wright said something like that. Uh, <laughs> the alumni base would uh, riot, and yeah, that's the Cardale Jones. Uh, I'm not here to play school, right? That yeah, was him. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was yeah. Him. yeah so uh, right, right in the same vein. I don't think any Villanova player would ever come out and say that. Um, but, yeah, to your point I mean, about the defense again, you do hope it, that it, that was to some detriment and that if they are able to clean that up and, you know, maybe they are hyper-focused on the number one team in the country, you know, it doesn't – the defense doesn't break down as much and there maybe it allows them to hang around a little bit. Because, as you said, the offense doesn't really concern you. I mean uh, – It concerns me when they slow it down. Like, I think – if they're yeah. slowing it down and they stop hitting their shots, that's when I have an issue. But when they speed it up, go supersonic mode, run it down, run it down their throats, I think that's great. Even if they go into their half-court sets, if they're still scoring, that's fine. Like, that's not, you know, that's not an issue. It's like, oh, great, they're still scoring. But mm-hmm. it's when they hit those stretches where they go cold and slow it down. Oh, 
yeah, that's it's <laughs> tough to watch. But even with that, like even when they do have those lulls, like we've seen, like oh, I forget who it was against. Was it against Penn where they had like a eight minute scoreless drought? But like it, they're still number two in adjusted yeah. offense. Yeah, that's also true. Yeah, the analytics is, still love us. It's mind boggling because it doesn't feel like that. Like I remember, like it just I, I don't know, but it's just mind-boggling to think they're number two in the country right now in, in adjusted offense. So the offense doesn't concern you. You feel like you're going to score enough. It's just a matter of if the defense can just keep up with it. And we'll, we'll talk about that on Thursday about the matchups and all that, who's going to be guarding who. And cause it's going to be, it's going to be a little rough. Uh, Azubuki versus the assortment of merry men down low for Villanova. So we'll, we'll see. It's as of right now, I'm very timid in, in this game. I know I predicted Villanova to win in the preseason uh, prediction stuff, and I know you did too, obviously. But we'll I talk said about undefeated, that. right? You did say undefeated, yes. In non con play? You did, yeah. That was oh. a very bold statement. I had the one, I had one loss, and that was at Ohio State. So, uh, so not too far off, both of us, I guess. Uh, but yeah, this is uh, this wasn't the best game. I'll say that. Like I said, it was a very stupid game. It was just, yeah, it was just stupid in that, like, if you just told someone that this is what happened mm-hmm. and that it was close the whole time, even though these numbers, these stats, you would have thought that's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah you would have thought Villanova by 25, and was not the case. No, no. I mean, to, to Nate Dolan's credit, he did just catch fire. Yeah, he did, and you mentioned him. In the preview last week, and me and Chris Wayne were like, "Yeah, this shouldn't be a problem." And then we talked about betting for the next five minutes. <laughs> yeah, we we're like, probably not do that. <laughs> oh, this guy averages uh twenty three point one points per game. Do you think he's gonna hit over under? Oh, way under, way under, way under. <laughs> yeah, we should start doing over unders on star players because then maybe we'll reverse jinx them. But yeah, he played the whole game, Nate Darling, forty minutes according to the box score. It felt like it. I was gonna say it felt like he played the whole game. He did. Yeah, two Delaware's credit, and this is something we did not cover last time because we were too busy talking about betting lines and other things. Uh, this was actually the best start program history going in, 9-0. and Yeah. Dylan yeah. Painter taking that championship mindset over <laughs> the Blue Hens. Do you think they wear attitude bracelets over at Delaware, Eugene? They, he probably stole. He probably came up with his own word and like tried to pass it off his own, but he, he knows he got, got the – if you walk into like Delaware's locker room and all that – you would have thought, oh, wow, this is exactly what they do at Villanova. Huh. Probably have like a different word. It's like courage or something. Strength. Courage. Zen. Zen. <laughs> yeah, Zen. Then they become the Blue Zens. Ha, 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 ha. Ha, 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 ha. ha. That's hilarious. Right, we got to insert that uh, Kawhi laugh. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Do you really have much else to say about this game? Because I don't. Yeah, I think we pretty much covered it. I mean, Justin Moore is still continuing to kill it as six starter. I saw that he was named Biggie's freshman of the week once again. Much to deserve. Jermaine Samuels, though, I will say we did get to see a little little assertiveness from him, which I, I know that was that was something you were clamoring for a little bit, and he led the way with a team-high 18 points. I know that he didn't exactly shoot well from long range. I know. That's my but, complaint. <laughs> but he did drop 18 and led the way. Yeah, that's true. And also, to Collins' credit, even though he didn't have exactly the best shooting day, he did have six assists and forced the most steals. And, and forced the most steals. He had the most steals on the team with four. So, I mean, at least he was making it uh, worthwhile on the defensive end as well. Yeah, other than that, I mean, 
I think we, we pretty much covered all our bases here on Delaware. I think we touched upon everything. Now really it's officially time for us to peel back the onion, peel back the layers on this one topic that we've been dodging for the last two weeks because we wanted to see what was going to happen because we just knew that there was going to be more. There, there was definitely more to the story, and we didn't want to jump on it yet until we learned or until we saw it unfold a little bit more because at each step of the way, there was like a new twist or like a new turn. The story took a new turn, and then all of a sudden, new details were dropped, things like that. Chris, for some reason, we're a Villanova podcast. We've had so many requests to talk about what our rivals are doing over there in D.C., Mm -hmm. and we're going to talk about what is currently going on in Georgetown, and I think Casual La Jolla summarizes it best with every game. And probably every day they they tweet out at least one time, and it's like this team is going to kill us all. Between getting into close matchups or losing or playing poorly on the court to some off-court antics, there's been a lot going on at Georgetown. And I know with everything, it all starts with what happened a couple weeks ago when James Akinjo and Joshua Blanc dropped that they were going to be Sorry, I, I shouldn't say that they were going to be. The school made it sound like that they got kicked off. <laughs> they released a press release shortly after a loss to UNCG. It wasn't a good time. Shortly after that press release, the Twitter internet detectives who are always undefeated start looking into the situation. All of a sudden, rumors start flying that players were involved in the sexual assault list and that they were accused of harassing women and then another story came out that they're burglar there were burglaries thefts and then another story came out that james akinjo just got into a fight with patrick ewing and patrick ewing crossed the line and said something about his mom and it was just all over the place and we didn't know what was going on then documents show up of complaints legal filed complaints talking about alleged sexual harassment from joshua LeBlanc, and then other players were involved and then people started thinking Whoa, 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 why is Akinjo linked to this? What, how is he involved in all this? Why is LeBlanc included, but not these other two players, them being Myron Gardner and Gallon Alexander? How come they didn't get suspended or affected in any way? What's the deal with that? A couple days passed by, and it turns out Akinjo was completely uninvolved from all the sexual assault stuff or alleged uh, misconduct and thefts and all that. But then it makes you think, why would Georgetown release that press statement that made it sound like him and LeBlanc were included in the same sort of crime or the same sort of offense? It just turns out that Akinjo wanted to leave on his own free will, no longer wanted to be at Georgetown, seemed like him and Patrick Ewing had a little bit of a falling out, and he just decided to go on his own accord. Georgetown clarifies this, but then they hide behind the obviously, you know, what schools do. They hide behind legal jargon, like, oh, we can't talk about school matters to the press or media like that. And then now, just very recently over the weekend, it was uncovered that Gallon Alexander and Gardner, who both two guys that were not included in the original dismissals and transfer news, but they were included in those police complaints, those legal complaints from two separate women, they are now transferring and leaving Georgetown. And now I think everyone who has some, in some sort of way involved in those different complaints and, and stories and 
things like that are now finally leaving. So we have LeBlanc, Gardner, and Alexander all on their way out. And then James Akinjo is also on his way out. But for completely separate reasons, it just, unfortunately, I felt bad for him now because I know so many people, you know, they're going to pounce on it. They're going to question his character. But it seems like him and Ewing had a little argument, had a falling out. He just wanted to be out and had no ties whatsoever to the other legal stuff going on, which probably must have been rough for his social media mentions for the first couple of days. Uh, yeah, no, for sure. And they also lost a couple transfer uh, transfers, uh, recruits too, I think. I yes. think the one of them was a, a D.C. area guy, and that was like big time because D- Georgetown doesn't get D.C. area guys anymore. Yeah, that's Josh Hart and uh, Chris Jenkins. Jenkins, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, they lost four-star recruit Terrence Williams, who originally committed over the summer, and that was huge for Georgetown because it was Patrick Ewing's first top 100 four-star guy from the DMV, from D.C., which hasn't happened. I think Devontae Smith-Rivera or one of those guys, like it hasn't happened since like 2012, 2013, that they've gotten like a high-ranked recruit like that from their backyard. So th- it was huge. and then. You know, that same week after the whole Akinjo and LeBlanc news came out and then the rumors with two other players came out, he decommitted. He was like, I'm gone. I'm reopening my <laughs> commitment process and I'm now a free agent. So it's a big L's. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, just to I, – I got to commend Patrick Ewing for not standing for any of this crap. Uh, props to him. Uh, I, I, we'll get into the PR thing with Akinjo, but props to him for not dealing with any of the crap. Like if Akinjo was like throwing like fits on the court during like practice, like you, you, no need for that. As regardless of how good he is, you know, get him out. And then obviously with the other three, all being like linked to criminal charges, uh, proud of him for like getting rid of them. Although it was a little weird that the two of them, the the latter two. Uh, who ended up transferring out? Weren't they playing still? Like when the whole thing was going on? So that wasn't that a little weird to you, or am I am I incorrect? Uh, no, no, that was that was correct. Yeah, yeah. People were looking at the dates of these filed complaints, and you know, reading the statements from the people who were filing them, and they look at the date, and it's like, whoa, whoa hold on, you know, these, these guys have been playing this whole time, and then it's like, all right, they got LeBlanc, but then like you have two other players that are named here. And you look at the date, and it's like, whoa, they've been playing for weeks. Nothing's happened. Yeah, so I, it's it's so – I, I would, I would just, hope, you know, for Georgetown's sake, they were doing their due diligence and maybe looking – investigating it at the time. Right. But yeah, I, that that's not a good look. No, it, it, it isn't. Uh, and that's where I kind of start to question the whole thing in general. Like, I'm proud that the school was able to – Figure it out and get rid of the uh, the culprits, I guess, and uh, the ne'er do wells. But to allow a couple of them to play while that was going on just didn't seem right. But again, just just happy they're out and Ewing kind of did the right thing in that regard. But with your point to Akinjo, a couple of days ago, I still thought he was part of the whole thing. It's so weird how like that initial PR statement just automatically labels someone. Just absolutely sucks for him. That's like 
PR 101 that you'll like be teaching in like classes now, not what not to do. And that's to lump someone in with something completely unrelated to what they're doing. Yeah. And it looked like, you know, Georgetown kind of released it. They're like, all right, yeah, these guys are leaving. But then that just kind of opened this whole can of worms because then the internet detectives took over and they were able to uncover a lot of things and docu- full documents available online. Like I was reading them. I was reading it. And now all of a sudden you, you start to think like, okay, this is really bad. How is Akinjo related to all this? And then you have Georgetown waiting like a day or two. I was like, oh, hold on. Uh, we'd like to apologize to James Akinjo. He's actually not involved with all this. It was separate. All right, everyone go back to your regularly scheduled programming. Like For <laughs> anyone who missed the, the, the part where they took it back, you would have thought that Akinjo was still, you know, if you weren't really watching the case uh, closely or you weren't really following up on what was going on or on the hilltop, you would have thought like Akinja was involved. That Yeah, that was just poor PR, very bad PR management for those first 24 hours. And now you have Gallon Alexander, Myron Gardner, they plan on leaving the team and you have Gallon Alexander who's like, my character has been defamed and it needs to be cleared up. Very soon it will come to light that I'm innocent and I had nothing to do with these false allegations. So, uh, you know, he's leaving, claims he's innocent. I don't blame Patrick Ewing for giving him the door out. You know, it's better mm-hmm. to better just nip it in the bud before it gets worse. And it looked like it was already starting to get worse when those documents were coming out. Took a couple weeks, but I think this has got to be it for the saga. I'd, I'd hope so. And if you want to uh, – I, I know, like, this, like all the allegations are pretty serious and all, but like if you want to f- focus on like the basketball side of things, like it really looked like Georgetown was starting to figure it out. It looked like oh we, yeah, we were potentially getting another Big East contender. Like just give it another year at most. Like they just gave Duke a real tough game at the Garden. Like it was all coming together. I thought for them and just for this to have happen, it's like one step forward, like five steps back. And it's just a shame. Like, like, look, I know the old, old-timey people don't like Georgetown. We don't like Georgetown. We don't. But it's not the same anymore, especially with the way they, their basketball program has been going. But we would love to see them be good again because we want that rivalry back to what it was. And for this to happen, I think it just delays the process. And the team's just not going to be good anymore. I mean, I shouldn't say that. They, they still have a chance to be good, and they still have a chance to recover. But – they were going on a real great path. And with recruits coming in from the DMV area, you had a Kinjo who's an absolutely phenomenal player. And it's just, they're all gone. That's it. Yeah, four guys in just a couple of weeks. Just yeah, like that's, that. That's a brutal hit to the roster. They're down to like nine scholarship guys, which is not a lot. <laughs> no. No. It does, right now, it looks like Patrick Ewing did the right thing. It might have taken a couple more weeks and some people would have liked. And I think maybe a little more transparency would have been nice. But I would I would lo- I would hope that that was just all the university doing its own investigation and looking into it and digging into it. So obviously at that point you can't say anything. But who knows? Who knows? All I know is uh, according to my predictions, what did I say? I think we, did I say we were going to split it? Did I say we were going to split it? I think you did. I think you did. Sweep. Sweep. Sweet change. Pull, pulling out the eraser. It's going to be a sweep. 
yeah, it's uh, definitely on the basketball end. It's definitely going to affect them negatively. And I, I, I guess good for Villanova and for the current year, but for the long run and for the terms of the rivalry, it is uh, not good, not good at all. And I, it's just, I, I hope they're able to figure it out and make the right call. And I hope they made the right call. That's all I got to say. Yeah, so far, I don't think anything else is going to come out of this Georgetown thing. So the only thing I can see is maybe it uh, affecting potential recruits like it did with Terrence Williams. But I, right now, I don't, I don't really see anything else coming out of this. I think this is it, and now it's just going to be a matter of how does Georgetown bounce back from it. It looked like they beat Syracuse, so that's, that's pretty good for them, I'd say. Yeah, that's, that's always a start. <laughs> yeah, beating uh, Syracuse is uh, always, always a good thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for, for everyone, for, for all of America, really. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for listening to the State of the Nova Nation. Please, if you haven't already, please subscribe to the show. Please look up View Hoops or State of the Nova Nation. You should be able to find us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Megaphone. You have many, many options in order to reach us and follow us. Check back on Thursday. We're going to have a little preview show for this weekend to come. I'm very excited. I'm so excited. I can't wait. I cannot wait. Can't wait. I'm going to be there, Chris. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there. In the meantime, check back at viewhoops.com because we're going to be pumping out content leading up to the big day. Check back. Check often. Check always. 24-7-365. Still, still going. Please follow VU Hoops on social media. You can do so at VU Hoops. And you can follow me, Eugene Repay, at ERepay5. And I got nothing. Uh, follow Eugene. Follow the pod. Follow VU Hoops. Nova Nation, have a good Tuesday. Hope you all had a good weekend. For everyone in the Northeast, stay warm.